the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It is... Open Line Friday, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. We do that on Fridays, and uh, you can uh, continue the conversation that we're having. You can change the subject if you've got a Bible question, you've got something that you want to talk about that's in the news, whatever it might be. Today is your day, 888-528-2557. Maybe you didn't even get through earlier this week on another topic. Well, we can finish up that conversation, 888-528-2557. There are uh, many things going on and something that is going to be in our neighborhoods. You know what NIMBYism is? NIMBY, N-I-M-B-Y. You know what NIMBYism is? NIMBYism is called Not In My Backyard. It's an acronym for Not In My Backyard. And NIMBYism is something that, you know, when people have a demand to say, we want a demand that uh, homeless people get moved off the street, and we want homeless people to be moved off the street and put into a hotel somewhere. Or we want to uh, we want to have fewer people in prison, and so we want more halfway houses. Uh, you know, a different program for people who have committed crimes. We want them out of prison, um, but maybe they need to be in have some kind of supervision. Okay, you can all those things can be you know run well or run poorly. But nimbyism is, is when we say that, but then when they buy the hotel in our neighborhood to put the homeless people in or the prisoners in or whoever it is, we say no. And we object to that. We say, not in my backyard, right? So like, I'm all for this. I'm all for uh, taking care of homeless and getting them off the street, but you can't put them in a hotel in my backyard. You can't buy a building, an apartment building and put them in my neighborhood. See, that's that's nimbyism. And that that is what becomes a huge problem if you really want to uh, deal with some things. Now, the the core issues, of course, with homelessness, even crime and other stuff, have to be dealt with before people become homeless or become criminals. That's the real solution to those things. But in the meantime, we have thousands and thousands of people on our streets and thousands of people who are in uh, one situation or another. And I bring this up because one of the issues that's in the news today is nimbyism in New York. Uh, and in other cities in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, major cities that have homeless crises already, but are also dealing with illegal immigrants who are coming in huge numbers uh, to these cities. And, you know, Eric Adams, who is the mayor of New York, he had this to say earlier this week. Listen to this. We turned this city around in 20 months. And then what happened? Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bus people up to New York City. He's referring to the governor of Texas, uh, busing people. Did you know that, a whole other thing, the New York Times, of all places, put out an article this week saying, and the question in the article, this came out uh, yesterday, 
the question is, is Texas busing responsible for migrant, the migrant crisis across cities? Is Governor Greg Abbott of Texas uh, causing this problem in, in Los Angeles and New York and other cities? And the New York Times of all places said no. I was very surprised at that because it's such a political you know, thing. But they actually went through the numbers. Somebody there uh, did some uh, research, actual journalism, and there's some politics in the article as there is, you know, but they actually came through and they said, you know what? Uh, only even about a tenth, hardly anybody actually is coming through on these buses. That actually what's happening in L.A. and in uh, New York and Chicago and other cities is people are making their way on their own to these cities, in part because they're sanctuary cities and they've been told uh, that this is a place that will have them, or they've been, they have family there, or they have a reason to go there because they think it's the best opportunity to find work or find a place to stay. Uh, but most of it is not coming from these buses. The problem is, is we're not really doing anything to, to solve the problem. And what the mayor of New York is going to talk about here is nimbyism that he's dealing with in New York and that it's time for everybody to realize you can't ignore this issue. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You can't blame, uh, just blame people. We're going to have to do something. 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care, And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. Month after month, I stood up and I said, this is going to come to a neighborhood near you. Well, we're here. We're here. We're getting no support on this national crisis. Now, he is frustrated and, and, you know, and rightly so. But, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that everybody said, hey, we'd like to do uh, your sheets and do everything. Come here. We're a sanctuary city. And I've talked about this before in a different context, but it's not compassion to say that you'll help somebody. But then when they show up for help, that you don't help them or that you can't, even if you desire to help them. That is a, a big part of it. And, you know, for For all of us, we have to start really realizing that these crises that we face, whether it's immigration or whether it's the uh, homeless issue and the drugs, uh, problems with education like we talked about last hour, it is in our neighborhoods already. It's everywhere, and you can't just uh, shift it around, but that's what people are trying to do. It's going to destroy the cities. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. That's a pretty powerful thing to say for the mayor who's frustrated uh, about this. In New York, it's different than in some cities. In New York, the law of the city is that you have to house people who are unhoused, whether they're homeless, whatever the reason is, even if they're there illegally. Everybody has to be sheltered and everybody has to be housed and you have to educate everybody. And it's costing the taxpayers billions and billions and billions of dollars. And if there's no end to it, it's not a temporary crisis. This is something that what's happening, and he's going to say this, is that in New York, everybody's pushing everybody into uh, each other's neighborhood now. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador, 
Now we're getting Russian-speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut Every service in this city is going to be impacted. Every service, trash, police, fire, paramedics, you know, city government, every you know, sewer, all of it, it's going to be impacted. And, you know, you, it's, it's one thing to say that you're going to help, but you can't help and destroy yourself at the same time. You can't help if uh, you don't solve the, the problem. And that's something I think that's complicated to see through, but it is something that we're going to be dealing with here in Southern California in all of our cities. We already are. You know, we're complaining about the the buses and we're and we're celebrating. You know, I was watching something in the news today where we're celebrating, you know, all these homeless people have been housed on a particular neighborhood. But the number of people who are homeless is growing faster than the number of people that are being taken off the streets in L.A., uh, I saw an article in San Diego how Fifth Street it used to be, you know, the gas lamp, great place to hang out. All these stores boarded up, probably not really going to open. And I was down there a while ago. It's nothing like it once was. And it doesn't have to be nice. You want to take care of people. You, but you have to solve the problems that are leading people into these crises, whether it be drugs or education or other things. And that's something that we're not doing. And as a culture – we don't do that, and it's catching up, and it will affect every single one of us. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many? What they're doing to us is an interesting comment there, because the migrants are showing up because the border's open and they can. Uh, that's the problem. It's not, And it's not to give them an excuse, but hey, you know what? Uh, if you're going to open the border... And you're going to let everybody come over. And by the way, families in particular. In August, a record-setting number of families came into the United States illegally. Record-setting. And it is far beyond uh, anything that has ever been seen. It is huge. These are mother and father and kids, typically, or mom and kids, who have nothing and have got into the country illegally, haven't done anything in the right way, and have been led to believe, and in a certain way, rightly, correctly, that you can, that you can get away with it. This isn't right. Uh, you know, I'm always hopeful for people, but there is a right way to do it and a wrong way. You were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do, and they're destroying New York City. It's going to come to your neighborhoods. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. And I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. In January of uh, 2020, the number was about 10,000 families across uh, the southern border illegally into the United States. That number went down really low during the COVID, uh, but a lot of that was because of the COVID and the new policies. And uh, But it stayed down under there for a while. But before all that COVID, it was about uh, 10,000 families. That's a lot of families, by the way. So that's 10,000 families. That's 
I don't know how many people that counts as, but two or three, four, five, six, right? Family. That's a lot of people. You know what the number is in August of 2023? The number of families. We're not talking about individuals. We're talking about families. How many families came into the United States illegally from uh, the southern border? Uh, The number is almost 100,000. Ten times in just uh, three years. Ten times more families And they're going to cities and they're going to places where they think they can stay. Many of them want to work. Many of them are staying with relatives. Um, What's happening in the cities is that they don't really have that option. They're just hoping for something. And, uh, you know, if you're one of those families, I understand why you do that. But we are destroying our cities. And what is what you heard him say, the Bronx wants to send them to the Queens and Queens wants to send them to Staten Island. Staten Island wants to send them to Manhattan. We have a not-in-my-backyard mentality. It's not compassion to say we want to be open to any group of people or we want to get people off the street or we want to do stuff, but not in my backyard. There's, there's not enough space in somebody else's backyard. Have you thought about that? It's, you know, that's something that everybody does. It's not right and left. It's kind of everywhere. This is a, this is a crisis that is going to be in all of our backyards, whether we like it or not. We can't ignore it, and uh, we can maybe have politicians who will eventually get it right, who will, and I think that might be coming. It's funny because uh, people are on the right are congratulating Eric Adams for all this and agreeing with him, and then somebody, MSNBC called him a, uh, a Trump clone all of a sudden, which he's not. Uh, and then he blamed Trump for it, which is, you know, it was 10 times less uh, during the Trump administration. That's kind of laughable. Um, in that period of time. But, you know, at the end of the day, this has been going on for decades, and it's Republicans and Democrats. We're going to have a role. You know, and the church is going to have a role here just to feed people, uh, just to take care of even just our own, even if uh, we don't consider the migrants. What if they shut off the, the border altogether? We have so many homeless people and drug addicts. This is something that together people are going to have to get involved in. This is something that we cannot ignore and we cannot continue the same policies that have created the problem. And it goes back to something we were talking about in the last hour, is that a lot of the reason that we have this problem is because we don't want to attach the solution to anything that has to do with God. By we, I mean just sort of you know corporately, culturally. We don't want to attach the solution to... Uh, something that requires morality, but something that requires you know, adherence to laws. You know, in the homeless argument, for example, a lot of people are saying, well, it shouldn't be illegal to be homeless. Okay, I can go for that, but it should be illegal to break other laws that are out there, right? And part of the problem with the homelessness is that if you can't do something to cause people to uh, get the help that they need to force people to do that one way or the other. And that's it's super complicated. I know that. But if you can't cause people to be forced to get off the drugs, to um, rehabilitate, to get sober, uh, then what are you going to do? You know, you're, you're just going to have more and more. And we're, we have so much despair and so much difficulty. I think that the message that we have as the church needs to get out uh, onto our streets in a new way. Um, in a way that is more than just maybe feeding people, more than um, even just saying things. I think there's stuff for the church to do, but I think that it's it's hard, uh, and I get that. 
But the time is coming, and I think people are going to look to the church. I think when things get as bad as they can be, people resort to God. We do that in our personal life, right? As things get really bad, eventually I go back to church. Eventually I pray about it. Eventually I decide to repent. I think societies do that too. Like eventually we just come to ruin or we repent. That's something we've got to pray for for our country is a repentance, not not just in you know, certainly there's areas of abortion and, and certain things that we need to repent in our hearts for, but we also need to repent in, as a nation, just ignoring the root causes of problems that we really know about, that we've really understood for a long time, but we've detached them from the reality. We've attached, uh, detached them from a moral basis that is of the Lord. We have instead embraced a culture of lawlessness. Instead, we have embraced a culture of phony baloney love where we say, oh, we, we love migrants or we love these people, but I don't want them to be helped anywhere near me. See, that's not love and that's not compassion. These things, it's a hard thing to talk about because I think it's overwhelming, but I think it can turn around. But it is going to be, it's going to have to be connected to repentance. Just some thoughts about that. That was, uh, those are some things that are in the news. And I keep hearing those Eric Adams clips and we're going to destroy New York City. That's a remarkable thing to say uh, and a true thing to say. But the same thing could be said by LA, Chicago, San Diego. San Francisco is already mostly destroyed by that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We have Open Line Friday. We'll take your calls on any subject at all. The number is 888-528-2557. Donna in Orange, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, hello, Pastor Scott. Hi, Donna. Uh, you know, while waiting, uh, listening to the mayor of New York speak, and your comments, uh, it almost makes me want to vomit. And, you know, he said very much in the defense of the city, but not once did he mention Biden. Well, he has uh, he has mentioned Biden quite a lot. He he has he's a Democrat and he, he understands that this is a federal issue. In that particular speech, he didn't say a lot, but uh, he has. Right, right. He didn't say he didn't say anything, but you know, I I appreciate. I want to thank you for keeping us informed. Uh, you put a, a name to what's happening in Chino, and because uh, yeah, I I don't I don't listen to the uh, TV news very much because they're so biased, and. Um, yeah, I just want to yeah. thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Donna. Us, you know, understand. I think it's important that we don't check out. But I also think, you know, and it's hard because you're right, the TV news, it's not going to give you, you know, the, it's not going to go in depth with a lot of things. So even if they're trying to give you some basic facts, it's always more complicated than uh, usually what you get in the little sound bites or in a, you know, two or three minute uh, news story. But I think exactly. there is a human element to all of this, right? And that for Christians, I think that we have to realize that there is a human element in all of these things. And part of, I think, the sin of our, our country is we turn them into political elements or we turn them into you know, only political. There's a lot of politics, right? But there's, we, we turn people into commodities of you know, of left and right. We do that with lots of things. So, you know, I wanted to ask you, yeah. isn't there something, isn't there something going on in, in Huntington Beach also? 
Huntington Beach. Uh, well, we talked about that earlier this week. In Huntington Beach, they passed a uh, uh, resolution that would ban masks. Uh, should we have mask mandates again? And and, well, and once wrong. again, we have a, we have strong opinions about masks, right? That are out there, but somewhere there's a human element here, right? Of how do we take care of people? Right? Are we doing right by the kids? Are we doing right by by people? And are we dividing people? So what we do is we commodify the issue so it becomes left and right. That's something that. I think that we we were talking about the the parental rights issues in schools in the last hour. If we end up commodifying the issue of parental control, if we end up meaning that it turns into a product that either is owned by the right or Republicans or owned by the Democrats or the left or however you want to define it or owned by Christians or non-Christians, if it becomes a, a package, then – it eliminates the ability of other people to join in and say, hey, I agree with that, or I agree with most of that, or I agree with 80% of that. And I think actually most of us agree on how to solve these problems. I think that we divide on purpose uh, strategically sometimes in order to keep the issues alive, and then nothing gets solved. And the, the problem is there's a human element behind that. There's people dying, there's people sick, and it just gets worse for everybody. It's a it's a complicated thing I'm talking about. Don, I appreciate your call. I got to go to a break here. Um, but can you can you see what I'm saying here is that, and that's the part of the point I'm making with the nimbyism, it, not in my backyard. It's hard because you have a feeling about what to do. And I understand. I understand why I don't want a hotel full of homeless people who are not being encouraged to get sober in my neighborhood. I don't want my kids around that. In fact, they always say uh, there's there's one building downtown that the city bought and they can't figure out why they can't get it full of people. And it's because it's a drug house. It's because there's no rules. There's no morality. There's there's beds. But the families who need it, the families who could actually be helped, they don't want to go in there because it's better to live in my car or in my tent than to live in that place that's full of uh, drug addicts and worse. See, there the human element is the the reality of human behavior, the the tragedy of addiction, and the truth that you have to get, you have to recover. That's also true spiritually, that there is a truth about spiritual recovery that you cannot ignore about who we really truly are as human beings. You know, as, as Christians, we got to embrace not just the information that we get, but the truth of our humanity in Christ, the truth of of the fact that there is an eternal destination, there is a God, there is a God who has told us the right way to live, a God who calls us to repentance and salvation through Christ, that that's not just something you subscribe to like a political party, that's something that you live out because it's right. I got to take a break. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Uh, And uh, I see your calls, Christian, and a few other calls coming in, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. We'll talk about anything that you'd like to talk about, something that you uh, have a Bible question about, question about something in the news, spiritual question, whatever it is. We'll change the subject just for you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We were talking about uh, immigration and nimbyism, not in my backyard, and not just immigration, but homeless people or other issues that we're trying to deal with in our society with people. 
that a lot of people will stand up for and say, hey, we need to do something about it. But when somebody proposes that we do it in our neighborhood, we say no. Sometimes there's some reason for that, I think. And uh, that's also part of the problem. But as the problems continue to get worse, it's going to be in everybody's backyard, whether you want it to be or not. 888-528-2557. Christian, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, man, I just want to say God bless you. and Thank you. Thank you. you. Uh, I'm calling because I'm, me, myself, I come from immigrant parents. Uh, My parents came through around the time that Pete Wilson gave the amnesty back in, I think uh, it was the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in the 80s, there was, uh, I think even the President Reagan gave amnesty in the 80s. Yeah, President Reagan, I'm sorry. Um, I wasn't even born yet. And um, I'm the first generation here. And uh, I'm from California, born and raised in California. I moved out to Nashville for about uh, nine years. And then uh, I decided, well, I didn't decide, man. I felt a call from God to come back to California to serve. Uh, And um, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about the culture. If we, you know, look at the Jewish community, how the Word of God is so impregnated in their culture that morality is is not a question whether we should do it or not. It's more of a an obedient stance towards doing what you're supposed to do to to please God. Okay, and the, and then we should have that same thing in our culture. We used to like even if you weren't yeah. a Christian, we had what was called the Judeo Christian ethic, right? That yeah. uh, you may not have been a Christian necessarily, but you believed in the tenets of right versus wrong and what those things were. I think we've become too far attached from what's really happening in the communities because seeing homelessness is, is and, and I mean spiritually, right? Because seeing homelessness and not letting it bother you or to a point where you want to reach out and help somebody is, is I think it's something that's spiritually wrong with, with the communities out here and, and just anywhere. I mean, the United States, I mean, we have it too good to where it's it's a bother for me to see somebody on the streets. It's it's like I feel like why is that person standing there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like we're just too discouraged or overwhelmed by that problem today that it's so huge, you know, that we just don't do yeah. anything then? I feel it's a disconnect from God. It's yeah. truly a disconnect from God, and it is. It's an it's a sin issue, like you said. Uh, there's there's repentance that needs to come along in the community repentance, and I like the point you made about you know, as a community and as a people, I mean, one day we will come back to repentance. I'm hoping and praying for that to where we all can come back and, 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 and do more than just feed the homeless. You're right. There's more to it. We have to do I'm, the I'm root right. cause. We got to deal with, with drugs, hopelessness. Uh, you know, there are so many different things that could be done if we got in front of it. Uh, we're going to need sure. the leaders and we're going to need a, a penitent heart from people uh, just culturally. Right. There's a lot of great people doing great things, but there needs to be a much bigger movement. Yeah, I come from those type of communities. Mm-hmm. I was raised in, in Compton and, you know, uh, my dad was in ministry my whole life. Um, and then I just, you know, one day I, I gave my life to Christ and I wanted to serve the community. And I saw the impact. There's there's a there's a Jesus love you attitude. But then what? You know? Yeah, we we need some wisdom and leadership with all of that, and I think we need to work together more. There's a lot. There's a lot that can be done. I, I just like to believe that we shouldn't be hopeless. I appreciate your call, Christian, and for everything that you're doing uh, in the Lord, and, and hang with it. Keep going. 
because I don't think we should be hopeless with these issues. I think they're very frustrated. I'm very frustrated that, you know, we've been dealing with this stuff for years and it gets worse and worse and we just throw money at it. And if you don't deal with the core problems of hopelessness, of things that lead to poverty, education is tremendously huge. Uh, and if you don't get to some of the concepts or even of, of liberty and what that is and where it comes from, if you can't do that, then it's going to get worse until you do. I think that cultures and nations go the same path as human beings. Sometimes we go into destruction, but sometimes we also repent. I like to think that we can turn it around, that we actually can. 888-528-2557. Michael in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how are you, sir? I'm good, Michael. How are you today? I'm blessed. Uh, I was listening to you. This is my actual first time uh, uh, on your uh, listening to your show. Right, let me play the first time caller music for you. Welcome, welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the point uh, that when Donald Trump was president, he stopped a lot of the migrants coming the illegal way. He forced them to come the legal way, but when, and I'm, and I agree with you that it, it, it's a bigger problem than just the local, not just the local, but the government in itself. But when Joe Biden got in office, he was sending planes, white planes all over the country. No one knew where they were going until they landed. And those, there are people that actually see those, saw those planes landed. So in New York, I would say 80% of those people that came are there are not just because that's where they want to go, but I believe it's because they were on those planes that were going all over the country. You think that, that the, Joe, the the president was uh, sending those people uh, to these cities? Yes. You know, there's a there's an interesting article, you know, in in the New York Times, and I bring it up in the Times because the Times is a a liberal newspaper, right? And it supports Joe Biden generally. I would say I think most people would agree with that. They actually yeah. break it down into how many buses are moving into these cities and who's doing it. And one of the points that they make is it's not the governor of Texas. It's actually no. just a system that's been going on for a long time. The governor's doing it a few places. But that right. this is something that has been going on a long time, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse if we do not do something different. Michael, I appreciate your call, and you're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. This is The Pastor Scott Show. It's open line Friday. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. George, welcome to The Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Scott. Hi, George. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. I was just uh, going to comment on uh, not in my backyard. Yeah. Well, guess what? We have a uh, 14, 1,400 uh, square foot home, and we met up with a family that uh, came in on the caravan from uh, Colombia. Oh, you did? Yeah, and now they're in our backyard. Yeah, they're literally in your backyard. How is that yeah, going for you? How did you get involved with that? How did that happen? Well, there was a neighbor who was uh, asking if anybody had a uh, an apartment or a mm-hmm. unit for them. Yeah. And they were living in an eight by nine room. And we have a two bedroom, a two bathroom in our backyard. So now they're in our backyard and they are working. They didn't want no uh, assistance from the government. And uh, they're working, and they're in touch with ICE. 
they've already gotten their work permit. They're going through the process. Uh, they came in maybe illegally, but they're following the rules. They're following every rules, and you know what? Yeah. Um, they're amazing people. We love them, and uh, it's just uh, it's great. You know, I and- wish everybody could take a family like that. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, one of the things is, is that regardless of what you think about whether or not that family should have been allowed to come here, right? There's a lot of issues with uh, the laws and all of that. They're here anyway, right? You can't just let people starve and, uh, right, there's a, there's a, that's the human element I'm talking about, is that you've got to, we're going to have to deal with this. We can't ignore it. No, we have to help them. And I think also, like what what you're saying is they're part of the system. I know how that that works. And, uh, you know, the bad part of our system is you can sort of ignore it and they're not going to do anything. But uh, do they have a particular – you said they're from Colombia? Yes. Did they file for asylum and all of that or – uh, yeah, they filed for asylum and they qualified. They went through the process of fingerprinting and everything and uh, they are clean. And, uh, yeah, we yeah, took a chance. You know, it's something that everybody has to do to help. I mean, if they have the love of God in them, you know, we have to. And the capability of doing it. I think I think that exactly. there's a lot that we can do to help people without sacrificing, um, you know, fidelity to the laws, right? And to realize that we're going to have to do something even much bigger, I think. Um, it would just be better if people didn't feel like they have to come. From in what we heard the mayor of New York saying, they're coming from all over the world now. In fact, I read the other day that people coming over the border are coming from 168 countries this year. Exactly. That's that's oh, yeah. a, that means the whole world is coming to this hemisphere and coming over the uh, the border. That's not going to end, uh, and it will affect everything. Hey, George, thanks for what you're doing. I got to take a break here, but uh, thank you for taking care of that family. And you know what? Once in a while, call us up and uh, let us know how that's going because I think some people. Uh, are afraid uh, of that and sometimes there's a bad experience but sometimes there's a good one yeah i'm 60 years old but you know what i trust in the lord and everything so whatever's going on is from him all right thanks for taking care of them george god bless you and uh, this is the pastor scott show friday edition it's open line friday we'll take your calls on anything you'd like number is 888-528-2557 you can follow us on social media at pastor scott show you can also get the podcast just look for pastor scott show on your podcast click subscribe and uh, you can watch us right now at kkla.com i gotta take a break lisa i see your call and other ones we'll get to you as soon as the friday edition of the pastor scott show continues stay tuned you're listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m now back to the show Welcome back, everybody. Open line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about. Last segment here, 888-528-2557. And uh, let me go to the phones here. Uh, Lisa in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, hi. Did you say Louisa? Uh, I said Lisa, but are you Louisa? Oh, I'm Louisa. Yeah, oh, Louisa, very much. good. Welcome. Thank you. So, you know what? I hear a lot of people bringing up homelessness, and yeah. I live in L.A., which has pretty much become a large encampment. Yeah. I'll share this. I'm a social worker, and I'm working towards LCSW licensure. Yeah. The last few years, I've worked in homelessness and chronic mental illness, 
the problem and the reason it's gotten so bad is because California uses the housing first model, mm-hmm. which does not work. It has to be the mental health first model. In yeah. California, get someone a voucher, house them, and there is no condition. They can continue to use. They don't have to be med compliant. And you'll put somebody like this in scattered site. They'll, they can be in an apartment in my building. They can be anywhere. They'll terrorize all their neighbors. They'll burn right. the place down. And we continue to throw more money at this rather than common sense. And part of the problem is the laws. You cannot compel people to do the things they need to do. And I think that for a few things, democracy does not work. One of them is chronic mental illness and one is addiction. If you're going to allow somebody to take a choice, take your injection, in mega injection, one injection a month, you can maintain and manage your schizophrenia symptoms. Mm-hmm. Or don't take it and it's your choice. Nobody's going to take it. And that's right. how we've gotten in this problem. And for Los Angeles in particular, Bass has spent millions of dollars throwing money at this problem, and it's just as bad, if not worse. And because I work in this field, and I hear so many people, you know, lamenting, why doesn't this work? It's not just local. Legally, you cannot force people to do what they need to do to be well. That's right. You know, I and I agree with you on the housing first model, and uh, that model and the harm reduction model in general, I don't think is uh, a good one. And it leads to all of this. In your field, you're getting your your counseling license and you want to be a social worker? I want to be a licensed clinical social worker. So I already have a master's degree in social work. I want to um, do clinical work, which is therapy. I have to say I disagree with you on harm reduction. I believe harm reduction saves lives. But housing first, you and I are in unison with that that I don't believe it works. It's not effective. Hmm. And if it was effective the first time we threw money at it, we would have solved it. That's we right. We would do it over and over and over. That's right. And part of it doesn't work is that in L.A. we want to build million-dollar houses for individuals. Uh, and uh, so we're actually not even doing it. One of my buildings is an ODR building, Office of Diversion and Reentry. Yeah. People get out of the conviction, out of doing their time for crime based upon mental health or whatever, but I have clients who are undocumented. I'm not throwing shade on undocumented. I was married to someone undocumented, and we did 12 years of court and on and on and on. But does it make sense to never have a consequence of behavior? It's kind of like violating natural law. Yeah, that's right. If the goal is we're going to teach people to be independent, truly independent, and have some accountability natural laws, God's laws, that's how society works. Yeah, can I ask you... Can I ask you this question? How many people in your field who are going into uh, wanting to be a uh, social worker agree with you? Mm -hmm. Probably zero, and I face this all the time. (laughs) And I'll give you an example, too. Like, um, for example, um, having children, okay? Like, I had a client who had um, several pregnancies and had lost custody of kids. And I don't work with kids. I work with adults. And the client was pregnant again and had parental rights removed. And I've read those DCFS reports. And everybody in my agency, because the, the client was set to deliver again, everybody in my agency was, like, all pumped up. Like, what can we do? How can we support and everything? And I had to say, has anybody had a discussion about adoption? Mm-hmm. And I swear you could practice 
practically hear people mumbling under their breath like that dang Louisa, like, you know, starting stuff again. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like I know I make myself a target by speaking out, but I'm just wired that I cannot shush my pie hole. Like, I need to speak out when something's wrong. And it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, hang in there. I asked that because I, I thought you I thought you might say zero. Uh, and uh, but if we don't change the policies, it's it's insane that we keep doing the same thing. Um, and I agree with you. We're, we're going to have to do something. Well, hang in there. Thank you for standing up for uh, the word and for for helping people as best as you can. Thank you. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, and I feel encouraged driving home listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Louisa. 888-528-2557. You know, the policies, they've got to change. I take offense at our policies and strategies. I know. I know. But uh, we just keep going with them, don't we? 888-528-2557. David in Culver City, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Two days in a row. Thanks for letting me get on. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, I appreciate it. two, Two things. Louisa has a good heart. But the problem is, if you read the article, L.A. Times has had a lot of articles. Close to half of the homeless are economically homeless. They can't afford housing. They lost their job. Rent went up. COVID uh, support payments went up. And they're homeless. Do you think they're capable? Do you think uh, half the homeless people in L.A. are capable of holding on to a job without having uh, care? Read the article in the L.A. Times. About 48 percent, slightly less than half, are purely economically homeless. They went from, you know, crashing in other people's houses to doing the best they could, but they cannot afford housing. You don't think it's uh, that ultimately it's because of drugs and alcohol for most of them? No, 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 no. no. Maybe not how they started, right? No, no, no. I think a substantial number. But if you read the series in the L.A. Times... Close to half of them are, it's purely economic. It's nothing else. All right. So read the articles. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I read. You know, I think what what I read on on that note is that a lot of people are in that boat initially, but once they're homeless, it's only about two weeks before they have some kind of addiction or mental health problem. And uh, oh, I that I didn't read that. I we need to reread that article. No, it's about two weeks. I, I you know, I mean, how how well would we do if if I were living on the street for two weeks? I like to think no. that I would know what I was doing, but uh, maybe it's a lot harder than it seems. Oh, I think it's very hard. I, I completely agree. No, yeah, well, that's why hard. they say it's two weeks before you're in trouble. Well, I but that's not what I read in that article. That it's well, I'm, we're, probably, we're probably talking about different articles. Is that why you called David or something else? Okay. No, no, that's not why I call it. So the really main reason I call it the immigration problem. You know, I think this is going to be a growing international problem. And, if, and historically, when you look back at the United States' response to it, okay, and we always feel bad about it. We refuse to take in Jewish immigrants from Europe because of the Holocaust. We refuse to take in people from Cambodia because of Pol Pot. We refuse to take in people from uh, uh, the Congo uh, with the refugee with the uh, murder of Hutus by Tutsis. So you know, I think it's a I think it's an international problem. It's probably going to worsen because of climate change, and it's, there are probably going to be more and more refugees, dislocation, internal and external. Why do you think, think it's it climate change as opposed to economic and uh, war and? Oh, well, I think it's. No, I didn't say it's just climate change, but I think with droughts and and hurricanes and worsening flooding, 
look at Australia. Australia is on fire. They haven't been able to put out the fires in Australia all year. Yeah, so, I mean, I well, think we have a lot of problems. But my point is, I think there has to be an international solution to the problem. Yeah, 100, 168, 168 countries. Uh, that's how many. That's what how many countries people are coming over the border are from. I just read. So that's, it's global. That's why I think we need an yeah. international consensus on how yeah. to deal with the problem. All right, David, I want to try to get a couple of more calls here. I always appreciate right, your calls. Right, Thanks for calling. Have a good weekend. James, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. James, go ahead. Uh, Pastor Scott, uh, uh, I'm glad to, uh, God bless you and uh, uh, on this subject. I, I worked with uh, Miller Retarded Disabled People for uh, over 15 years, and uh, I, I was proud of the results of some of them going back and, and getting a job and, go, and going back out in society and living. In. But, you know, uh, they keep uh, they keep coming across my mind over and over Back in New York, where they used to build the uh, homes for... Um, yeah, James, I'm almost out of time. So uh, real quick, uh, what, it, what do you want to say? Okay. So, so uh, uh, you know, if we could build these houses where, you know, where they could come in and they could get a meal and, and, and they could be coached and stuff like that, uh, that, that would help the homeless and... And you know the reason why uh, California, but uh, California, California closed down the Millions Institute uh, some years ago, and they said they just couldn't afford it. Yeah, it's and, getting uh, worse and worse. Uh, James, we are out of time. I appreciate your call and thank you for working with people. You know, I think that's the thing to keep in mind is there's a human issue. A lot of this gets us upset and angry, and we got reason for that. I think, but deep down. That human issue is something that I think we're ignoring at the core, and that's why we have so many trouble, uh, troubles. Bill, I won't get your call, and others, I won't get your call around time. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, uh, Twitter, Instagram. There's Facebook now, at Pastor Scott Show. And you can uh, get the podcast if you miss an hour of the show. Just subscribe to the Pastor Scott Show on your favorite podcast app. You can always watch us on KKLA.com. Everybody have a great weekend. Pastor Scott, see you on Monday, 3 to 5. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.